Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. We now rejoin today's message already in progress. The wrath of abandonment is when God gives a nation over. Or in other words, he gives up on them. The Greek verb is, I'm going to try and pronounce this, paradidomi. And it can have a judicial sense. It's often used in Greek literature in terms for the law courts and criminal courts. It comes down to handing a prisoner over for punishment. It's even used in the case of Jesus being handed over for crucifixion. Each of these uses of this verb in this text expresses the fact that the wrath of God has acted by handing over a society to sentence, to hand them over for punishment. The historian Schiller said years ago, the history of the world is the judgment of the world. For there comes a time in a nation when God has just had enough and he literally lets go and turns them over to the sentence they have passed upon themselves by their incessant sinful choices. To say it another way, they're deprived of restraining grace. So now, do we know what or know when this has happened? Note the progression. We've gone over this before in other studies, but we're just going to recap it here. Verse 24, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurities that their bodies might be dishonored among them. Impurity speaks of sexual sin. The first thing that happens in a nation when it is abandoned by God is a sexual revolution. Moral, sexual perversion, pornographic desire describes the general character of the culture. You can't even count how many million pornographic websites there are. When a society is abandoned by God, it operates out of its own perverse sexual passion with no restraint. And you can trace this back to the 1960s and the sexual revolution of the 
flower age, the flower children, Hugh Hefner and Playboy. and It's gone on like a flood since then. And it's characterized by, as you look at verse 24, lust coming from the inside. Just as Jesus said, whatever comes out of a, uh, the man of a... Uh, let me try and rephrase that. Whatever comes out of the heart of man is what defiles him, leading to his impurity. This means sexual impurity and to the dishonoring of their bodies. The heart is wicked and the bodies demonstrate it. For the body follows the heart. You see, lust conceives in the heart, James says, and brings forth sin. And sin brings forth death. So the first thing you need to look at in a society, if you're trying to discern whether God has abandoned that society or not, is if that society has gone through a sexual revolution so that illicit sex, adultery, and every form of immorality is accepted as normal in that society. And I can say, beyond a doubt, the United States has passed that point. Amen? We are already there. So let's go to the second step, outlined in verse 26. God gave them over, not just the passions that are explicable because they're men and women, but inexplicable, degrading passions for their women exchange the natural function for that which is unnatural. So you know a society has been abandoned by God when it celebrates lesbian sex. It starts with the women. God has given them over gross affections, unnatural, unthinkable. And you follow a sexual revolution with a homosexual revolution. And then homosexuality becomes normalized. Think about that. Verse 27 adds the male part. In the same way, the men abandon the natural function of the women. And they burn in their desires towards one another. And, by the way, it is a burning that is just hard to comprehend. There was a man named Halpern who was the coroner for the city of New York. And he did, I think, 26 or 28,000 autopsies in his day. And he said... The doctors that perform autopsies can look at a corpse that had been murdered and tell you whether a homosexual killed that person by the multiple wounds. Now, this guy wasn't a Christian. He was a Jewish guy. And he just said there's something about the passions of that kind of involvement that are just not explainable. See, interesting enough, the Holy Spirit puts the woman first here and then the men after. Why is that? Why is that? Well, the Holy Spirit refers first to the degradation of women because they are usually the last to be affected in the decay of morals because their hearts are so naturally inclined towards a husband and towards the responsibility of nurturing children. Women are designed to have a loving tendency to protect and raise their children. Well, when they lead the parade, so to speak, that's a sign that God has removed his restraint. 
And the amazing thing about this is in verse 27, the man abandoning the natural function of the women, burning in their desire towards one another, men with men, committing indecent acts, and receiving in their own bodies the due penalty of their error. Right into this wrath of abandonment comes the wrath, the consequential wrath, and even though it generates venereal diseases and AIDS, they keep doing it. And that's what step two looks like. And we know this has come like a flood. The United States is past that point. But it's not the final step. The final step comes in verse 28 in the middle. God gave them over to a depraved mind. Now, the version of the Bible you have, and I'm reading from several different versions, the New American Standard might have a different translation for depraved. So just let, let me just, just tell you what the word means. non functional. It doesn't work. It's useless. The mind can't think, it can't reason, and it can't comprehend. And you look at this world today and you say, rampant sexual immorality, out of control, destroying people willy-nilly, even inside the church, even in the leadership of certain churches. Homosexuality, same thing, rampant, out of control, demanding to be accepted as normal, and society rushing to affirm that acceptance. We're already there. The Supreme Court of the United States has ruled same-sex marriages are just as valid as normal marriages. Think about it. Preach it, Brother Bob. You're preaching good. Amen. Isn't there anybody in the system who will stand up and call this what it really is? A massive moral disaster. Can't they see it? Can't they figure it out? No. No, they can't. You see, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says, Man, by wisdom, did not know God. Human wisdom just on his own doesn't get us there. Then you add the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that do not believe, and you got compounding blindness. And then you add the fact that they are blinded by virtue of the sweeping, dominating elements of their culture. You're not going to get anybody to rise up and take that position and have people rally around them. You're going to have more people in leadership in the country outing themselves now as homosexuals. If you think you've seen a lot of it so far, you ain't seen nothing yet, darling, as it becomes more and more acceptable. A depraved mind in the original language is one that is tested and found to be useless, therefore disqualified for its intended use. The reasoning faculty has been corrupted by the influences that surround it. MTV did a survey on morality. Well, there's a switch. Using MTV as an example in a sermon. Amen. Anyway, 
they took this survey. They took the Middle Ages idea of the seven deadly sins, you know, lust, greed, all those things, and they surveyed their audience about what they thought about that. And basically, they thought all of the, the, the responders to the survey thought all those things were virtues. That's right, they thought they were all virtues, not sin. Yeah. And when that happens and your entire sense of morality is that warped, then your conscience is ill-informed and it fails to function. So you have unconscionable behavior. That's why you can sit there and watch and laugh at the Jerry Springer show instead of falling on your face and weeping at what you see. A depraved mind, reasoning faculty so corrupted that it must be rejected by God as just not functioning. And as a result of that, what happens? God gave them over, verse 28, to a depraved mind. So as a result, they do the things that are not what? Proper, fitting, sensible, and reasonable. What are they doing? They're filled with all unrighteousness, all wickedness, greed, envy, murder, deceit, and malice. What's that? (laughs) That's what you see on the nightly news or in the local newspaper. Slanderers, haters of God, and on and on it goes. Unconscionable. Conscience can only function. Conscience is kind of like a skylight, okay? Conscious is a device that reacts to the morals within your being. If you're a Muslim, your conscience tells you to blow up infidels because conscious is not a set of moral laws. It is not a set of moral rules. It's a mechanism, kind of like pain. Pain is a mechanism God gave you that responds to your physical condition. It says to you, something is wrong here. Something is wrong with your body. Pain is simply the device that tells you, do something because I'm hurting here. And usually pain is a good thing because it gives you warnings. I mean, it's a good thing because it tells you you got a problem with your body that you need to deal with. You put your hand down on a hot stove Instantly, pain will tell you to remove your hand from that location. Amen. That's what conscience is. It's a mechanism God gave you that accuses you or excuses you, Romans 2 says, but only functions if it is morally informed accurately. There's a computer lingo Go around, garbage in, garbage out. And if you have a culture that has developed a warped morality, then you have a conscience that functions off of that warped morality. And you get all the stuff, all the inexplicable behaviors. And that's why verse 32, it says, although they know the ordinances of God, All they know, all they know inherently in them, Romans 2, what is right and what is wrong, that they who practice such things are worthy of death. They know that. They know that. But they still 
continue to do them, but that's not the extent of it. It says, and they do them anyway, and they give hearty approval to those who practice them. You know what that reminds me of? Remember Bill Clinton's approval ratings? Went up right in the middle of the Lewinsky affair. Why? Because a culture like this approves of somebody like that. It's a perfect fit. He's our kind of guy. Look at what happened now with the Supreme Court issuing their ruling that same-sex marriage is now legal in all 50 states. How far have we fallen? So, we are without reason, without a conscience. This is what it means when God abandons a society. Amen? Sexual revolution, down one more step. Homosexual revolution, down one more step. You can't ever get your way out of it because the mind, the cultural mind, is gone. It is completely gone. And I'd put it this way, more simply, there is no sure indicator of a corrupted, wicked, and abandoned society under God's wrath than when that society does not tolerate anger against sin. This society will not tolerate you standing up and displaying righteous indignation against that sin. How long is it going to be before if you preach against it in your pulpit, the government's going to come in and tell you, you can't say that. They're already doing it in Canada. One night, Larry King said to John MacArthur, you know, King said, you're all caught up in the words of the Bible, and you're missing the message. John MacArthur's response was classic. He said, well, what's the message with no words? I don't think we are missing the message. I believe America has rejected the message. C.S. Lewis, who said, The last experience of the sinner is the horrible enslavement of the freedom he desired. So Paul is unfolding for us this picture of what a society looks like when it's been abandoned by God. It's not my description. It's not Brother Bob saying, this is what I think. Now you see why I said, I believe America is already at that point. We are already going through the cycle of Romans chapter 1. Why does it happen? You've got to go back to verse 18 and find out. Why does it happen? I'm going to give you the short version. Here's why it happens. Verse 18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven in this form of abandonment against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men that makes up this society. Verse 18. Who suppresses what? There it is. That's it. They, society, they, that nation suppresses the truth. They suppress the truth. That's what we're fighting. That's what we are fighting. Christians should be standing on the truth in God's word, not the false truth as declared by the government, by the Supreme Court, or cultural whims or desires. It's always about what is the truth.
always. And John 17, 17, Jesus said, Thy word is what? Truth. Thy word is truth. So the only truth we need to focus on is the truth found in God's Bible. From the garden, it started out as a war of truth, didn't it? God says, you eat the fruit, you die. Satan says, no, you won't. You won't die. There it is. Adam and Eve believed Satan. They thought God was lying to them. He wasn't being truthful. The one who is truth wasn't being truthful. That's what they thought. And the one who was lying, they thought was telling the truth. That started the truth war. And it's still going on today. It's always about the truth. Simply this is what happens when you suppress the truth. So what truth? The real truth. Biblical truth. You suppress this. And that's where it takes you. Take the word of God out of the place of its supremacy and you suppress the truth. Deny that it's true. Deny its veracity. Deny its authenticity. Deny its inerrancy. Deny its inspiration. Deny its sufficiency. Deny its clarity. That's the last one. That nobody really knows what the Bible means anyway. You hear that all the time. Oh, it's a wonderful book. And we believe God gave it to us, but we have no idea what it means. Well, isn't that convenient? I mean, you can divide my life up into attacks on the Bible coming from every imaginable angle. The truth is always under assault. This nation has succumbed to that. Every time someone wants to declare the truth, they are attacked. Folks, it's all we got. It's all we have. God saves through somebody telling you the truth. You're begotten again, Peter said, by the word of truth. You're sanctified by the word of truth. Jesus said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. John 17, 17. That's all we have. And it's being assaulted by Satan. And of course, the critics come along and say, it's not inspired. It's not true. You can't believe the Bible. And mystics will come along and say, no, no, it's fine, but we have more revelation over here. Well, we can tap into a deeper spiritual level. Just move over here. And then the cults all develop out of, you know, extra biblical revelation. And then there are the others who come along and say, well, the Bible's fine. It's just not sophisticated. It's, you know, very archaic. I mean, you need to add philosophy to it and, and other kinds of things to help Fill in the Bible. And now there are those who come along and say, the Bible lacks clarity. That's an attack on the old personal perspective, the doctrine of personal perspective, on that the, 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 the scripture is not clear. That God intended to reveal and not hide, or hide and not reveal. And you, you bring confusion in there. So now, and the end result is truth is diminished in its place. It's denied. It's rejected. It's amazing how people mock the Bible today. Simply amazing. Oh, you can figure out a way to make it so smooth and so soft. and Take out all the hard parts so it doesn't have the sting. You know, just make people feel good about, about 
proclaiming their Christianity. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Bless, 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 bless. But if you give the unadulterated, expunged, pure word of God, it's going to generate a negative reaction in many environments, in many churches. Why? Because it condemns sinful lifestyles. You need to speak the truth in love, but all we've got is the truth. So, society moves to suppress the truth. We're running out of time. Just let me explain this a little bit more. I'll give you four things to think about. Four reasons for wrath that has to do with suppressing of the truth. Number one is revelation. We've been given the truth. So suppress the truth in unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. What is that? This isn't even talking about scripture. This is talking about the fact that God has inlaid his truth into the very fabric of man's being. He is not without a witness to the truth. Look at chapter 2 for a moment in verse 14. The Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law. These not having the law are a law to themselves and that they show the work of the law written in their heart. Their conscience bearing witness. Part of being human, like all the other parts of being human, being able to think and to make relationships, to speak and to act in the ways that humans act, those kinds of things are the familiar components of what it means to be human. But another one is the law of God written into the very fabric of man's nature so that he cannot plead ignorance before the throne of God. In fact, verse 20 says that he has enough of the law in himself, enough reason within himself that he is without an excuse. You can plead ignorance, but it's not going to fly in the face of God. What's noble regarding God, what man can know, what of the light that lights every man that comes into the world, John 1, 9, is written in their hearts. It's evident in them. Two ways. One's reason. Where does reason inevitably take you? Reason ends up taking you to an ultimate cause. Reason is simply a cause and effect device. Reason is simply thinking our way through patterns of cause and effect. This leads, this leads to this. That's how reason works. Eventually you get back to the first cause of the massive universal effect of creation. So reason is a device given by God to every human being that leads them directly back to God. Amen. Any thinking person realizes that. You cannot have an effect without a cause, right? I mean, how, do, how simple do I have to make it? You ask me where a watch came from. If I say, well, there was a bunch of tin floating around in a box, and when I pulled it out, it started to tick, 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 and this is it. That's ridiculous, right? How can you explain the universe that way? It's absurd. Nobody times nothing equals everything? Nah, that doesn't work. 
You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.